Are you afraid? You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. The face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. This is Take the Black, and I'm your host, Razor, and we have got a special guest joining us tonight. It's the editor-in-chief of Winter is Coming, the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Selke. That was an applause, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Dan, how are you doing tonight? I'm really well, Razor. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. We're also joined by our regulars, Annie and First Corey, and our new regular, Other Corey. So let's get right into the episode. Um, we've picked up in uh, Blood of My Blood, the sixth episode of the sixth season, uh, right where it left off pretty much. Brandon Mira trucking through the woods. Mira's got some strength for a little girl, by the way. She, you know, she's Reed Strong. And um, she's pulling she's pulling Bran's little... I don't want to call it a lifeless body, but he's listless at least, and um, <laughs> she 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 gets snagged on a um, on a on a root, and uh, all seems lost for our heroes. But while she's doing this, Bran's having these awesome, amazing flashbacks. And Annie, I want to start with you because you did the great breakdown on Winter Is Coming. I want to get your thoughts on those flashbacks. What was it like seeing the Kingslayer flashback? On screen. Oh, well, you know, the first question we had was whether or not that that was pulled from the original pilot. Um, but uh, it was not. That's a different actor um, who was playing the Mad King in that scene. Uh, I thought that the thing that was mo- that stood out to me the most, partly because it was repeated the most, was the pyromancer stuff. Mm. The pyromancers were shown in all. Okay. Basically, there were three visions. One was about six seconds long, one was about 15 seconds long, and one was about 30 seconds long. And it all, there was only one thing that was shown in all three, and that was the Mad King and the Pyromancers down in Pyromance land with their wildfire storage, basically mm-hmm. uh, going and pouring stuff and putting stuff back on shelves and walking away. And it was, it was very interesting because then you see this big explosion um, that was only in the second one, though. Um, you don't see it in the first one, um, and you don't really see it in the last one either. The last one was mostly all uh, White Walker footage, actually, which I thought was really interesting. Like it was the most of uh, it was the most stuff from other seasons, where the first two had stuff where it was clearly filmed for this, and the question was whether or not it was supposed to be for the past or the future. Right, and it's kind of like Brand's getting a first front row seat to everything that he missed, right? So yeah. He's, he's watching everything go down in Westeros. It kind of started this whole Game of Thrones in the first place. And, uh, Dan, let's go ahead and get you in on the conversation really quick. We talked about this today a little bit in chat. Um, that wildfire, to me, I interpreted it as a possible future event because I don't remember wildfire erupting under King's Landing. Because one thing we know about wildfire, it burns out on its own. You can't quench it. It'll just burn and burn and burn until it burns itself out. Um, and so... Uh, what, what what was your interpretation of that? Um, I think it probably okay. I have two ideas. Either it is a future scene that we're going to see because you're right. Like if wildfire actually went wild, it wouldn't 
survive it. The city wouldn't survive it. It's too dangerous. Or it would have heard about it. Um, so it's something that happens in the future. Maybe Cersei goes nuts and burns something. The, the other possibility is I, I wouldn't put it past the show to include it just because it's pretty looking. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not that <laughs> high-minded. Like, they, they could do that. It's possible. That is some of the best stunning visuals from season two oh, yeah. of Battle of yeah, Blackwater. Like if they did put it in just because it's pretty, I wouldn't blame it. It looked great. So, so um, Corey Thone, uh, let me ask you this. Um, as, as a show watcher, what, uh, what did you think of everything when you saw this king sitting on the Iron Throne, who obviously you've never seen before, and then you see this guy that kind of looks like Jamie from the back, charge him, stab him in the back, then sit down on the throne. Did you know what was going on? Yeah, yeah. I, I, they had talked about it enough uh, in the show. I mean, he's a Kingslayer. We all know why. We had, right. and, and, of course, you know, that was in, like, seasons one and two. It was like, oh, he's just a, a bad guy that broke his oath because he's a Lannister. It was fine. Then you have the scene in the in the jacuzzi with Brienne where he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I didn't want to do it, but he was going crazy, and, like, he was the Mad King, and this is why I killed him and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, we got to see all that uh, for a moment, which was really interesting uh, because after he stabbed him, he plopped down on the throne. And mm-hmm. I did not know either it was in the book or they mentioned it on the show and I forgot about it that that's where Ned found him. Was it Ned? Yeah, yeah, found, sure. yeah found him sitting on the throne, which, you know, is very – how very Hamlet, you know, because uh, if you're a fan of Hamlet, which I am, you know that whenever the play is put on, you kind of have to make the choice of how you want to end it. Was Hamlet crazy? Was he just throne hungry? Or was the ghost real? So, like, mm. when Hamlet ends, if the play ends with Hamlet, like, sitting in a throne, kind of, or sitting on his father's throne, it's, he just was kind of wanting the throne instead of his uncle, and he and he was he was crazy and everything. So having Jamie sit down on the throne, and wh- why he did it, we don't know, but just like with the play within a show that we're seeing, the outward implications of him sitting on the throne when Ned finds him are huge, and explain a lot of why what Ned thought of him and everything. So. Yeah, because that hubris shown by by Jamie Lannister. First of all, he's a Lannister. They're already known for being arrogant and haughty and the richest family in all of Westeros. Blah blah blah. Very bougie. I like that. And um, he, you know, he slew the king with a golden sword. He uh, and I think whenever they found him in the books, and I know the show's different, but correct me if I'm wrong, Corey Smith, other Corey, in the books when they find him, he's actually wearing his his uh, his Lannister colors, right? Something, something along those lines. Yeah, he is. That's correct. So he's already changed out of his king's guard attire, and he's put on his, his crimson colors, and he slew the king with a golden sword. And this is another thing I wanted to point out was, and I was hoping we'd see this last night, and maybe they'll show it eventually when they do more flashbacks, because I know I think I, I believe we have a couple more episodes where there's going to be flashbacks. I believe um, Ned. Is is only one of two people that are mentioned riding horses all the way through the Red Keep up into up to the throne. Uh, Ned Stark does it in the beginning, and then Tywin Lannister does it after the ba- Battle of the Blackwater. So I would love I would have loved for them to show Ned Stark ride into the Red Keep, into the Iron Throne, and be like, you know, yo, bro, get off the throne. You know, that's not yours. But um, I want to talk to Corey Smith for a second. Corey, I for that flashback scene, I've heard some really cool theories about Burn Them All. And the coolest theory I've heard was from Nerdist, one of my favorite uh, nerd podcasts, nerd websites, Nerdist. Uh, they they have this theory over there that the Three-Eyed Raven knew King Ares way back when, at some point in his life, 
And because of that connection, warged, the th warged King Ares at a certain point in his age and then did the time loop like Bran did with Hodor. And he saw the Whites and said, burn them all. And that's why, at the end of his life, the Mad King was saying, burn them all. Because as you notice during those flashbacks, every time the Mad King said, burn them all, what'd they show? Whites and, and White Walkers. So... How do you feel, Corey Smith, about this theory? Do you think that the Three-Eyed Raven actually did warg into the Mad King? And is this something that correlates with Bran warging into Hodor? Is, was, this, was this the whole lesson that was taught to Bran in the door last episode? You know, before we saw that flashback, I'd, I'd read the theory, and I didn't really give it much credence um, because it just kind of seemed a little bit like wish fulfillment. Um, mm -hmm. But now that we're kind of seeing that vision and we're seeing that pop up it seems like they're doing that for a reason so now it, it does seem plausible that either blood raven or perhaps later on you, you know brand does some sort of you know past time hopping like he did with hodor and kind of scrambles the mad king's mind like he did Ooh. you know with hodor so um could potentially be you know responsible for his madness as well so I think it's definitely going to play significance. I'm not sure I'm 100% sold on that yet, but I definitely, you know, think it's a possibility. I've actually, I've actually heard a third theory that would be, I don't know, another instance of Bran, as Bandit would say, of Bran messing up, another Stark screw up, <laughs> but that uh, Bran is like, oh, man, you know, I'm paralyzed and everything sucks right now. You know what would maybe fix a lot of this? If the Mad King, like, didn't die. Or, or if, uh, or no, wait, it was like if the Mad King like was able to prevent White Walkers from getting so powerful by taking them more seriously and burning bodies and sending people to the wall and everything. So I'm gonna go warn him. I'm gonna go warn him, and like that's mm. that's how he started like seeing the White Walkers and Bran was trying to communicate into the past. Like I'm gonna change the future, and it just it drove the Mad King kind of crazy because Bran was trying to save the future, and instead he condemned it a little bit more. And uh, kind of like with Hodor and everything as well, it was already written in stone, if you will. But yeah, we, I, I'd heard both those theories, and I did not give either of them credence until I saw the flashbacks this week. And I, I think I think I'm with other Corey. I'm not totally sold, but you know, people who are theorizing that have a basis now, and I'm not going to just uh -huh. dismiss them out of hand anymore. Yeah, and they seemed to really hammer at home last night. Every time he said "burn them all," every time he said it. They showed the whites. Uh, it's, it was pretty crazy. So we have the flashbacks, which were pretty awesome. Bran got a front row seat for all the events in Westeros. He's now seen everything from Dawn Age, where the first White Walker was made. He's seen his family as when they were children, his father and his uncles. He's, he's seen snippets of the Tower of Joy. And he then he just got like a, a blitz course in everything up to now. So Bran's all caught up. Um, and then we finally get... A long-lost character is brought back into the screen, and he's kind of meshed with another book character. Dan, I want to ask you about this. I know that on the show, um, the showrunners called him Cold Hands directly, but in the books, there's still some ambiguity. You know, it's kind of ambiguous if he's really Cold Hands or not. There's that no in, in the manuscript and all that. But how did you feel about Benjen coming back? Uh, being revealed to be the Cold Hands-like character. He's got the bluish-black hands, the bluish face. He was turned into a walker with a dragon uh, glass shard. How did you feel that story? That was cool. Um, my, favorite, my favorite part of it was when he rescued them 
and he had that kind of weapon that it reminded me of like that thing that Catholics priests like use to spread incest around a place. Oh like, yeah, like whacking people with it and like driving the whites into trees and keep drunk. Did you say? Did you, did you say incest? Incest. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what I heard. One hundred percent. No wonder they're so efficient at it. They have tools for it. In sense. The, 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 the stunt people look like they are having a lot of fun filming that. Yeah, yeah. They they clearly they clearly look into that. And just the way he like dragged his arm behind it was great. Um I, I just call it the I call it the magic fire flail. That's all I can call it. I looked up what the thing was called. It's called a thurible. I call it a fire thurible. Nice. Look at you. Ridiculous. You're the one that figured out the corkscrew last last year as well, weren't you? Oh. The name of the corkscrew that Sam's had. Uh, I forget what it's called now. Oh, a bong auger. Yeah, an auger. Stupid <laughs> names these things have. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I like the reveal, and you're and I mean you're right. In, in the George R. R. Martin is indicated pretty strongly, pretty strongly, like not um, ironclad hundred percent, but in the books, cold hands is not vengeance. But it makes sense for the show. The extreme other things. We're all wondering where he's gone. Why not bring him back and kind of put him in this role? And maybe George is lying to us anyway. So it made sense. He looked okay. Uh, we just had a lot of characters come back from the dead or returning this year, haven't we? I mean, John came back from the dead. Now Benjamin's back from the dead. We got Walter Frank, Edmund Tully returning this episode. It's just it's a big season for uh, people coming back. Well, Corey, other Corey said it best. It's more wish fulfillment, and I love it. I I'm, I don't hate it at all. I know a lot of people are – I've seen a lot of people in Reddit threads and on other forums go, this is just fan service. They're just pleasing the fans. It's all wish fulfillment. Who cares? It's fantasy. This is, this is fantasy, and it's been fun to watch. Like, I, here we are. We've already got through six episodes, and it feels like we just started. I mean, that's how good this is. And I remember last season going – Jesus Christ, do I have to watch another fucking Dorn scene again? So, you know, they're they're sparing us that. So, we had another thing that was in this episode, or should I say that wasn't in this episode, is there was no John, Sansa, or the Wall, or Tyrion, or Marine, or Tyrion, right? But we were in the North, and we didn't get any of that of that other plot line, which is cool with me. I'm fine. We could we could skip over that, whatever. But um. We can we can go to King's Landing where uh, I don't know I'm I'm still on the fence about who's being played here is the High Sparrow playing Marjorie is Marjorie playing the High Sparrow Tommen and and House Lannister is in Tyrell I've read so many different she's giving on the this. performance of her life That's, that was going to ask you Annie to chime in on this and tell me what you think about Marjorie's stance right now Okay so the thing that struck me most when we when uh, so Tommen's talking to the High Sparrow, and the High Sparrow's like, would you like to see Marjorie? Now, first of all, it struck me every single time that the, uh, that the, the High Sparrow has come to Marjorie, or he has brought Marjorie to him. Cersei sat in that cell until she said, uncle. And that uh-huh. was the first time she was allowed out. Marjorie right. has been given privileges of the High Sparrow coming and sitting in her cell with her. She has been taken out of her cell. She has been allowed to see her brother. And now here is Tommen being allowed to go see her. And I was like, you know, that's interesting. And then we get in there, and she's not wearing her dirty rags anymore. Her face is clean. Her hair is brushed. She's wearing a nice, it's still gray, it's still drab, but it's clearly clean, and it's clearly well-made. You know, clearly she has, she, she's, she's gained something already. 
And then she immediately puts on that voice that she used in common all last year after they got married. That, that, your grace. And uh, the dripping honey. The moment she started that, I was like, she is playing him hard. She's playing him. She's playing the High Sparrow. And, you know, once we got out there and it was revealed that Tommen is now one with the church and the church and this, you know, church and state, the separation of church and state is no more. What really got me was Oleana's face. Oh, man, she was pissed. Oleana was running that show, okay? Jamie might yeah. be the one on the horse, you know, riding up the steps looking all hot. You know, Mace may be the <laughs> one making the speech that wasn't really coherent, but got all the guard people to go, yeah! Oleana was the one who actually waved her fan, and then Mace gave orders. Mm-hmm. She was running this show, and this show just got taken away from her, and she is not happy. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't want to be in Cersei's place next episode. Oh, no, because she's uh, going to blame Cersei for, you know, basically, she's, she groomed Marjorie so that when Marjorie became queen, she could still pull the strings. Marjorie's now queen, and she doesn't, no, ain't no strings on me. Well, yeah, but here's, that's, that's a good question. That's a good thing you bring up. And here's my question for you, Annie, is... Is it, is it Marjorie actually saying there are no strings on me, or is it Marjorie playing the long game to get her house back into power. I think it's probably a combination of both that she thinks she knows best of anybody. Oleana couldn't figure out how to play this high sparrow. Cersei screwed everything up. Okay. okay, you know, Marjorie figured out how to play him. She quoted the the seven-pointed star on cue. She was literally using their torture against them when the time came. Like, she was there. She'd absorbed it. You know, she, she, she thinks she knows how to play this. She thinks she knows how to do this. And this gives her the power with no one else. Like, she doesn't have to share it. She doesn't have to answer to anybody else except the High Sparrow. But she thinks she can control him. Well, another big reveal from this scene was they opened the doors because Marjorie didn't have to do her walk of atonement because she had already atoned. And, Corey Thone, I'm going to ask you this question. Did you expect Loras to come out, or did you expect the king to come out? Who were you expecting to walk out of those doors? Uh, I wasn't, I guess. Like, whenever you, whenever they he was like, oh, I have something else, and it was like yeah. – it was stone cold. It's stone cold music. I don't know. Was, I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I, I didn't. I don't know where. I honestly don't know where in the hell this high sparrow thing is. Slithering like a snake. I, by God, I got king. If Jim Ross is calling this show, I'm not going to be able to handle it. Yeah. Uh, no, I honestly I don't know where they're going with it, and I kind of thought because I I'm not like I don't hate. It's not Dorn. Okay, after you live through Dorn. A storyline like this is a little boring, yeah, but I'm okay. Uh, Anything else is tolerable. Exactly. It's like, oh, I mean, yeah, this my ankle hurts, but have you ever broke your leg? Right. So um, <laughs> at, at, at the same time, I kind of thought that they were going to start putting the cap on it, and they were going to have a big battle, and it was going to, like, turn the people against the highborn a little bit or a lot because they were going to fight the church and everything, and that's that was what was going to lead to more conflict, not – what did happen? What did happen honestly surprised me. It obviously surprised uh, Marjorie because she did not expect that army to be there because she, she she knew she screwed up the second she saw them because 
The look on her face was definitely one of shock. Yeah, she she didn't expect that Oleana would have made the move, that Oleana was making moves to basically get her out. That she actually, there was a little bit of, I didn't actually have to do this. They they came up with their own plan. Ah, crap. No, I I think, I honestly think that the problem is that Oleana and Cersei and all the people that they are, they have severely underestimated the High Sparrow. And Marjorie is the only one that figured out a way to get things back to where she wanted them eventually uh, without causing a public scene. So the people that screwed up, I think Oleana screwed up just as much as Cersei did. And well, maybe not just as much, but screwed up as well with that whole show of force because yep. now they mm. look foolish. And I mean, well, and the thing, what was the end game? If they roll up and they murder a bunch of priests, yeah, they're douchey priests, but they're still yeah, priests. No, it was not, it was not a well thought out plan. Not it, at it's all. It's a slightly desperate plan. And they, and the fact of the matter is, is Marjorie trumped them. Marjorie I'm would have, yeah, it. Marjorie would have, if they hadn't showed up with that army, Marjorie's plan would be great. But now it's not because, as we saw, now Tommen has been brainwashed by the High Sparrow, and he's got to punish like everybody that showed up with an army there. So, and, and Dan, I have a question for you about Tommen. When are his balls going to drop? They are never going to drop. Ever. I mean, so I should die first. He's the expert here. I mean, the interesting thing about the scene was that so many motivations were unclear. Right? We were to talk about how Marjorie's motivations are still a little murky. The High Sparrow, too, I was, I, I was a little confused just watching it. Like, So he was talking like he was going to do the Walk of Atonement, and then he mm-hmm. didn't. Was That was always his plan, right, to not do the Walk right. of Atonement? That's what it seemed like. He, it seemed like he was drawing people it out. He did. wanted to see what the other house I, was I, I do wonder if he like got tipped off, maybe, that the army was on the way. You can't like hide a giant army easily walking into the city and thought, oh, they'll come up here and show a big show of force. Look like I don't know. The, that Dothraki horde snuck up on Danny <laughs> right quick. So. Well, rem- remember this, though. Where did Cersei get her information about the Walk of Atonement? From oh, Tommen. Right. And where did Tommen get it from? The High Sparrow. Yeah. So I think the High Sparrow is the puppet master here, and he was just waiting to see if Lannisters and Tyrells would march on the faith. I think that's what was happening. But I'm sitting I'm sitting here reading um Corey Smith, our other Corey, uh every Sunday writes uh writes an article of Valar Magolis, who will die in this episode. And man, Corey, I, I, I was on board with you, man. You were pretty close. I thought there was gonna be some major deaths this episode. In fact I thought that the faith would take a hit pretty hard. I thought Septa Unella was gonna get her head squished like a grape, uh like she was on Boys in the Hall. I thought that um, uh, Loras Tyrell would get knifed. I thought that Lady Crane would get poisoned. But man, dude, swing and a miss. <laughs> Talk about, t- I mean, ten swings and misses. I mean, there nobody died. How disappointing. Nobody was died. That? The, I mean, the title is Blood of My Blood, and there was no blood. I know. Well, like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Lannister and Pycelle, I they, like you got to figure. If you're a book point. reader, and I'm not, I'm not going to throw any spoilers out, but if you're a book reader, you're expecting those guys to hit it pretty soon, hopefully. Or it, the show may not ever do that. They may go a completely different way. Then you've got Lady Crane, who Arya was supposed to poison but didn't. Uh, Mira Reed, who was being chased and got saved by Benjen. Loras is still a prisoner. Um, is he? Yeah. As far as we know, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, he, we didn't see him come out. Because he was him out, but, we, but we also <laughs> cut out like before they retired back to the race. <laughs> we no, we haven't seen him come out, but the High Sparrow's going to out him. I'll tell you that. Oh. Oh. 
God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> you could not you could not pass that one up, could you? I mean, even Marjorie but, said that he has to atone for his sins before he can be released. I mean, even she said that. So Yeah, but I mean And knowing how close plan, those two are, I mean, I'm, she wants to get him out pretty badly. I wonder if that's part of the deal she cut. Right. I we don't think, well, we, before we before we found you know, out. My, my whole take on the situation was that the High Sparrow, everything went exactly how he wanted it to go. Yeah, he and, was smiling a lot. Yeah, and yes. I think, you know, Marjorie was playing her own game trying to get out because unknown to her, you know, the Tyrells were coming because, remember, they didn't inform Tommen of that plan, so right. he couldn't have told her, oh, hey, don't worry about it, we got you. So, I mean, my take is she's saying what she needs to say to get out. I think the High Sparrow knows that and is letting her out. For whatever reason, I assume to get to Tommen. Correct. Uh, you know, so I, I think that everything's going exactly how he wants it to go. Everything's coming up high. Oh yeah, right. and right. and he and and bonus, he got Jamie out of the city before Cersei's trial. Right. Mm, he he he, th- he he thinks that that's a bonus. In fact, you could kind of tell that Kevin thinks that's a bonus too. Yeah, With, I was wondering that. Like he was throwing some saucy looks Jamie's way during that scene. I was like, "What's what? How how do you feel about this, Kevin?" He really was. And I want to I want to point out another facial expression that the uh, camera keyed in on during the whole speech. And I'm, I've got it on right now as, as we're talking. And the High Sparrow's talking, and they they keyed in on Lancel's face <laughs> whenever whenever Jamie rides the horse up the steps. And that was a completely badass moment, by the way. <laughs> I just wanted Jamie to just mow some people down. But Lancel looks scared shitless for the first time. In a long time, Lancel looks like he's about to crap his robes, and I'm not sure if it's because it's Jamie, his cousin, that he always looked up to, or 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 the fact that there's a Tyrell army behind him, and all they've got are these crudely put together maces. But um, Lancel looked scared for a second there. I think uh, you know. I, I think that probably has to do with the fact that he slept with Cersei. And <laughs> I, I want to know if that's going to come out. I, I want to know if that's going to come out in, in the wash before Jamie leaves for uh, River Run. I assume that comes out eventually because you got, I mean, the they, the twins seem pretty together all season on the same page. And if they're ever going to be split, it would have to be something like that. to, dry, they, were, to dry. They, were pretty, they were pretty close last night. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> if there's something that's going to come out to drive them apart, I would assume it's Lancel. And so I, I took that look from Lancel to mean that, you know, if anybody's going to irrationally take out Lancel, it would be Jamie. Like, he fears Jamie knowing that he slept with Cersei because Jamie could potentially lash out for no reason, you know, for that reason, as opposed what's to... The li- what's the line from the books? She's been fucking Moonboy for all I know. Yeah, and the kettlebacks. Kettlebacks. Yeah, over and over. Every time he sees something, he says something, it's like... From fucking Moonboy, Moon Boy for all I know. Right. Okay, so anyway, we've got our big showdown in King's Landing. The uh, uh, King Tommen is now Tommen the Blessed, I guess. I mean, he hasn't been titled that, but he looks like he's going to be Tommen the Blessed. His Kingsguard's got the uh, the seven-pointed star on their chest plates now. Jamie's been stripped of his title, which, by the way, once again on the show, uh, Lord Commander of the Kingsguard has been removed from service, which is supposed to be a lifelong post, and um, apparently it's not. So uh, Jamie's going to be going off to the Riverlands next episode finally, and that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, but let's go to Bravos and let's talk about no one for us, because she's only no one for a minute more, and then she changes back to Arya Stark in glorious fashion. But Annie, I, I know you, I know you're a huge fan of of the play, and it wasn't as grand as it was 
uh, last episode, but it was still pretty great. Oh, it's still How pretty great. You... I laughed when J- I-, I laughed at Joffrey dying a second time. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I burst satisfying. out laughing just like I did the first time. Um, even though I will say that uh, 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 Cersei, the stand-in Cersei, does a much better job at the pathos mm-hmm. of a mother losing her son than uh, than than the real Cersei. You know, we, we kind of didn't feel nearly so bad for the real Cersei. Um, I loved that scene. I loved her making the connection with Arya backstage. I loved that Arya's name is now Mercy. Um, I loved... Nice nod. I know. Um, I know that this isn't how she become... I love the fact that she's clearly going to take the Sansa role because she accused the Sansa... The actress who plays Sansa of murder, of, of the poisoning... So now she's got Lady Crane on her side, and she could be cast as Sansa, which would technically make that chapter from The Winds of Winter that got released early. Um, I, there's so many things about this that I just, I, I loved everything about it. Um, I loved her getting needled. The only thing I, I, I did kind of worry about is the fact that she was going to sleep in what I think is probably the, the House of Black and White. I wouldn't go to mm. sleep. I, just, I, I took those. it as like one of the sewers, like yeah, the exactly. sewer in Bravos. I don't think she would go back to the house because um, I hope not. She knows she's being hunted now, and she has to. The look on sexy Jesus's face whenever he found out she didn't fulfill her uh, mission, yeah, and it, then the it, look it echoed. It echoed Oleana's look of massive disappointment. He was super disappointed. The girl has talents. It's too bad. And then he even he even has pity on her. and He says, "Don't make her suffer." And then as the waif is walking out, you know she's going to totally make her suffer if she can. <laughs> but uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope Arya can jump across a few roofs and uh, so fight her can way. Can I ask a question about the waif? I want any of you guys who have, who have read more, because I've read none, so if you've read any. Um, I actually don't know how to read. I'm from Arkansas. But, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Hey. <laughs> There's. Uh, I don't know why you're getting so defensive, Razor. You can't read either. You're right. All right, so right. Uh, color by numbers with me. Yeah. Audio books, audio books. Oh man, uh, they don't make them for my cassette player no more. Uh, so <laughs> they, the waif is clearly not a faceless man. Like if she was, why is everything so emotional and mean from her? That is not what I take to be like the the creed of the faceless men. Okay, the fact of the matter is, is the faceless men have been so condensed and streamlined for television. Okay, in the books, it's not even sexy Jesus who she sees at the House of Black and White. This is all a continuation of a character just because we're making things simple for the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, the waif is not, like, a waif in this way. She's not a single human in this way. Okay. This is, again, simplification. And because of the simplification of it, it then gives a through line to the character's actions that don't exist in the books. Does that make sense? Yes. No, it does. And that was kind of my question, is, like, from from a show watcher's perspective, when I see... The waif, I, I, I mean, I almost, I, I hate to, to jump back to like a Hamlet analogy again, but the play within a play thing. Not milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, I man, it's fine. It's like Hamlet, nobody's ever heard of it. It's pretty, it's pretty niche. Uh, but the, the Shakespeare, he was a, he was a writer. Um, there's a, there's a play called Hamlet. And within the play, there's a play. And the reason that Hamlet hosts that play in front of his uncle is to see his reaction to the scene that 
like is similar to what Hamlet, Hamlet thinks he murdered his father. There's a scene where a dude gets murdered, and he's like, oh, if he reacts a weird way to it, then that shows his guilt. So by making Arya go watch this play within the show that shows something so traumatizing to her that like seeing her reaction to it, I almost feel like that that was on purpose and that that they almost expected her to not like he had to suspect if, if the wife was there watching that she wouldn't be able to do it that i mean watching the play within a play like that if you will definitely had a reaction in aria and and i feel like that that there's more to the faceless man and the wife and everything than just she works she's a faceless man she's gonna go kill aria now i feel like there's just got to be more to that because her character is so different than jock and hagar or whatever his real name is like, i don't know i have a I have a theory about this wave, the show wave, because in the books, Annie's right. In fact, in the books, they're friends. The wave and Arya become friends, but um, in the show, I kind of feel like that story that she told last season about being the daughter of a highborn lord in Westeros, I kind of feel like that's the truth, and, uh, and I don't know what family she's from. I've posited that she's, a, that she's, a, she's actually a Frey, um, and I don't know. That, that's just probably my tinfoil, and it's too, too stupid and crazy to be true, but you never know. Um, I think she has a real vendetta against Arya, and that's why she takes so much happiness and joy in beating the absolute shit out of her. Um, so maybe maybe her real true identity will be revealed if Arya can kill her. Uh, hopefully Arya can. Uh, we don't know. Um, it was me, but Austin! Sorry. But here's the thing about um, Arya's storyline is – she actually made the moral choice there. She saw that there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with Lady Crane, and that the faceless men took a job for a vapid, jealous, younger rival of Lady Crane's. And Arya didn't think that was right. I think Arya thought she was getting to the faceless men to carry out assassinations for government, probably, or do or carry out assassinations against really bad people. And Lady Crane doesn't fit the bill for any of those things. Not only that, but she. Join the Faceless Men because she thought this was the only way she could be other people and to yeah, escape being Arya. Exactly and basically right. the, the thing that the thing that really got me about the thing with Lady Crane this this week was when Lady Crane says, Have you ever, you know, wanted to be other people? And basically Arya suddenly had the entire world open up to her that there's another way. Mm. Yeah, I mean she joined yeah. the Faceless Men to learn how to kill the people on her list. Like that was that's not why you become a faceless man. That's something that you become for different reasons. So, I mean, it was kind of looking back now, honestly, because I used to get really excited about the prospect of, like, Ninja Arya, like, getting a contract <laughs> to go kill Cersei. But, like, that's not going to happen. So I, it's dumb of me to think that. Well, let's go back to Westeros and to uh, the the Dornish marches, the Reach, I guess, and where Hornhill lies, and that's the house of the Tarleys. We got to see Sam's ancestral home, and Dan, I want to ask you: Were you expecting Horn Hill to be so grand? No, I mean they don't. I don't we haven't gone there in the books, but it was enormous. It's I think it was bigger than Winterfell or bigger than some of the castles. Sam's moneyed up, good for yeah, him. Yeah, he is. He did not know he was that rich. You know, I thought that because Randall probably like seemed to really hate wildlings, right? John yeah. should have hit him up for a donation back when he was uh, heading the Night's Watch. And Sam, Sam should have told him that. You think you would have thought Sam would have mentioned the fact that his dad was a complete wildling racist? 
But um, I want to continuing this conversation, Dan. I want to ask you about the family dynamic of the Tarleys. Like I, the mother and the and the sister were were exactly as I expected them to be. Very loving, very caring. Um, they were welcoming to Gilly and the baby, and they they were nice to Sam. What did you think of Dickon, Dickon the Dick, and and uh, Randall? What what was your thoughts? Because oh my God, Rand, Randall Tarley was exactly how I imagined him. In the yeah, movie. it was it was. I think that might be my favorite scene. The dinner scene was pretty great. I mean, I know we all love our dragons and our set pieces, but that just some juicy family drama was pretty intense. Dickon was fine. I, he came across as more just kind of dumb and thick-headed than mean, I think. Yeah, he's, no, of course. He's, I'm sure he's fine. But Randall, though, goddamn, like, he just tore into Sam brutally over a piece of bread. Like, he has a right. lot of hostility pumped out there, and I loved it. I was very uncomfortable. I was uh, very unhappy watching Sam. I loved Gilly sticking up for him. That was great. I liked Gilly in a dress. It wasn't quite <laughs> as ridiculous when Brienne wore a dress, but it was still pretty silly. So different. Her hair was all, she got her hair did. She looked so like good! Blonde. She looked great. I, I liked a little waddling walk. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Heels are hard if you're not used to them. Oh, Corey, I, I Smith, Corey Smith, other Corey, let me ask you this. We saw Heartsbane last night, and um, that's the other, that's the Valyrian still sword of uh, House Tarly. And Sam, oh my God, absconds with Heartsbane. Is this going to come back and bite him? Yeah, you know, I'm going to kind of disagree with everybody here on the whole uh everything we saw at horn hill um i other than randall going off on his son which in a weird way i liked uh <laughs> you know so, You're psycho well just because it was so you know it, it was it felt honest for that character and you could it didn't oh, yeah. it didn't really feel heavy-handed he felt like that's what he he really feels about his son so uh, you, you know, him stealing the sword, it just, you know, and, and everything there kind of just felt like, okay, well, we got to go to Horn Hill because we need another Valerian steel sword, so let's go there and, you know, and then we can have Sam steal it. Because, I mean, obviously, I mean, how far is he going to get with that? I mean, his his dad obviously, like, like Dan said, is moneyed up. He's going to have a couple guys hanging around that can go grab Sam as soon as they figure out, hey, our, you know, the, the heirloom of our house is missing. So I just, you know, it just seems like, okay, well, we need another Valyrian steel sword. Let's go grab one, and, you know, we'll have Sam steal it. You know, I think it, I think it all depends on if Sam can use Littlefinger's teleporter to get out of town really fast, or if he's going to take that slow carriage out, because... That's a pretty Randall carriage! T- it is, and, but, but Randall Tarley does not seem like the forgiving type to me. Oh, and... and uh, and I mean, here's the other, the, you know, is Sam now abandoning the plan to go to the Citadel? Because it's, he has to at this right, point, right? Right. So then what, you know what I mean? Like, then that means we literally just sent Sam down to Horn Hill to get that sword because, yeah, you can't go to the Citadel now because obviously his dad's going to be looking well, for him there. I don't, so I, I, thought just, about, I thought about one idea. I don't know if it come to pass, but I'm, I, t- I have no idea how he's going to get away. I really don't. Like, they pulled off miracles before. But uh, we'll see how that shakes down. But I thought maybe he'd go to the Citadel, and maybe if he becomes a maester, they'll have, like, some... Like, you know, the maester's, like, a separate branch of Western society. You're not supposed to, like, interfere with it. Like a museum? Yeah, kind of a sanctuary thing. But I don't know. I I don't know where it's going to go either. Well, we were talking about this in chat today as well. It's like, we know... Okay, here we are. Uh, We just finished episode six of season six. And we've only got two short seasons left, right? Two partial seasons, I guess they're still saying that, with seven and eight. 
How much time does does Sam really have to get his chain? Unless they're going to do some kind of a time hop where next season is like a a year. But even then, you can't really do that because the the Night's King or the or if we're on the show, the Night King is coming is coming to the wall. Like he's on his way. You can't really fast forward too far into the future because things are 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 um they're happening happening in a rapid at rapid, what am I trying to say, pace. I, I suspect that uh, he will go to the Citadel, and there will be a reason that he needs to leave. How about a raven from the wall that his friend John got killed? Uh, I don't know about okay, his friend. Yeah. Okay, see, I don't think he's going to get a raven that his friend John got killed. I think he's going to get a raven from Lord Commander Ed, and he's going to be oh. like, Ed? What happened to John? Oh, it's complicated. Yeah. No, he's not. that's not going to happen because we don't text here. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think he's going to get to the Citadel, and I think that something is going to happen, and he's going to book it back north. I do believe we saw set pieces for the Citadel during, during filming. Um, so we, I thought... we, we know that they filmed a Citadel scene, one, um, yeah. but it was done in such a manner that there were no spoilers out of it whatsoever. By the right. way, Dan, you didn't think this was going to be glorious. They freaking rented a national monument uh, historical castle from, like, the Middle Ages, from, like, the Dark Ages, practically. Like, that place they rented is like one of those registered places where like the Horn Hill? Yeah. The the castle that they used, like it's a huge tourist destination for history people. Oh. Yeah. Like I, I saw pic- I saw pictures of it like when I was researching it and I was just like, <laughs> I expected this to be good. Yeah. Dan but doesn't read Dan I don't, doesn't I don't, read your articles. Well, I don't do that. That's wrong. Um, yeah, but there's, there's a cabin in my hometown. It was a great castle, but it was extended by special effects into like the far horizon. That wasn't yeah. a castle. It was. It was almost you know, almost a Roman type. Yeah, Roman type. Kind of, there was a lot of columns going on. But um, so Sam is uh, got a lot of hubris going on now. He's got his girl. He's got his. He's got his adopted kid. He's got the Valyrian steel sword, and he's even said he can bloody well try. So he's got. He's got some hubris going on. I don't know how much that's going to last in the face of a of a scowling father if his father ever catches up to him. But um. Let's let's scoot on over to uh, where have we where have we not talked about yet? Oh, hmm. let's talk about Danny and the Dothraki uh, riding through the the desert and the and the mountains, I guess, heading towards Meereen. And and we're gonna we're gonna circle back to a couple topics because we're 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 uh, going through this pretty fast. But um, this is gonna be an argument. I gotta tell. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited. I want to talk about the. I know that the, there's a lot of people on the internet who are, who are not Amelia Clark fans. They don't think she's a good Danny. They think her storyline's boring. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. <laughs> Last night was amazing. Last night, Danny got Drogon, which is he's, – he's grown about ten sizes. He's massive. And she, she roused the Dothraki into, into a frenzy. And even I stood up and was clapping. I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. Like she did that typical Danny speech, but she did it from the back of a dragon, and she and she made it to where like none of you are going to be. You know, I'm not going to just pick three blood riders. You all are going to be my blood riders, and I thought that was amazing. And I would Corey Thone, what were your thoughts about Danny? Are you a fan of the Danny storyline now that she's she's riding the back of a dragon again? And uh, what do you think about this whole Dothraki? 
and Dario thing, and, and is it all going to come back together in Marine, and is she going to have enough ships to get across? What do you think? Okay, well, uh, <laughs> start at the top here uh, with the first question. I am a fan of the potential of Danny's storyline, always have been. Uh, as when it comes to Amelia Clark, I think that I don't know anything about, I didn't know who she was before the show. And I know that she was in a really bad Terminator movie, but other than that, um, (laughs) I think that she is probably got a background in the theater. And I think that she would probably be amazing on stage because everything she does is amped up just a little too much for TV. Uh, she's very emotive, very, very like she, everything, everything she says sounds like she it should be set on a stage, Like she hasn't quite figured out the camera is zoomed in on her face. So you don't have to like over emote everything like if it's in a, a, on a, on a theater. But that being said, she's, she's good. Um, I don't hate her or anything. It's not her. Her storyline has been boring for two seasons and it's still boring despite that she's on a dragon and yet she says, the same speech she's given 12 times now, and one of 20 Dothraki that they then CGI'd into, like, <laughs> 500 others, I guess, like, lift their swords and scream every time she says a sentence. Which, by the way, I don't know if it's because it's not her native tongue or if that language just has a lot of odd pauses, but she stops at weird places and sentences and just, like, waits. And, and they have to, like, she waits. She has applause breaks in her speech. So she probably has it built in. She probably wrote the speech beforehand. But Danny's story has not been boring since she walked out of that that temple on fire. Um, she's still literally just going somewhere. And when they get there, they don't have a damn navy. We they still don't have one, guys. Get amped all you want. Next episode is going to be them getting to the ocean, and going, oh shit, we don't have any boats. And then they're going to be standing there again, waving on. Uh, Yara to show up with somehow with her 18 longshoremen that she stole having a thousand <laughs> boats to to take to take them all over I don't know it's like the Danny storyline the potential for it has always been awesome it's just that they've been stuck in the desert forever with a whole bunch of like Star Wars episode one political crap <laughs> That's like like it's fine in small doses, but that's been her whole storyline. It's just been Madeline Albright on a dragon, and I don't <laughs> care. I am so over it. <laughs> so we move on, and they're not going to be able to move on yet. The boats won't be there yet. So Dario, no, not- Dario's cool. Whatever he seems like, like he's really growing into a nice. Uh, like he's learning his role a lot more. I feel like when we first met him, when he was a different guy with the eight inch long chin, um, that he he like had like a hard time. The guy from Deadpool. Yeah, that guy had had a hard time like comprehending the fact that he was not that important and that he was like a he should be a right hand man. And I think he learned a lot from Jora and the guy that died in the alley and Grey Worm about like like what it means to serve. You will say his name with proper respect. That's Sir Barristan the Bull. Sorry, uh, in the show he's literally useless, so I don't understand. <laughs> God damn you! God uh, damn you! I'm not. I know that in the book uh, people were pissed because he died in an alley, and in the book he's like a badass, but I really don't remember his name. And uh, but yeah, no, I mean seriously, I think that the Dario's progression into becoming not the guy that really wants to bang her again, but the guy that like I really understand like why so many people support you. Like that's been more interesting to me so far than than Danny's walking out of a burning building again. Like, and and that's the thing I want to ask some Dan. I want to ask you this: Is 
they're riding their horses, and Dario's saying that you're you're not made to sit a throne, and she stops, right? Yeah. And the wind's blowing, and I think Drogon was up on the ridge, because I, I paused it, and there was like a black shadow behind a rock. And I think Drogon was shadowing him, and that's what right. it looked like to me, if you go back and look at that episode, or that, that part. And it, to me, it was kind of like, it was kind of like Danny was saying, oh yeah? Sit a chair? Let me show you this, bitch. And she comes flying around on, on this massive dragon. Uh, has, is Dario learning this place, or is he still going to be the roguish uh, smartass that we all know and love? I'm sure he'll be a smartass. I think he's learning, though. I mean, like, when she walked out of the fire a couple episodes ago, he bowed with them. I, I think I, I agree with Corey. He's learning what it is to serve. Well put. And I kind of agree with you, too. Yeah, there is some wear and tear going on with her story lately. I mean, I, look, it's very impressive. Drogon looks very impressive, and her her speech is good. But it, it's it was literally it, the same speech that Drogo gave speech. back in season one. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying like it was like it. It was that speech. She was quoting it. And Drogon did it better. I mean, well, she, yeah, she's gonna did, drag. Didn't, so that, didn't, that, didn't that, he pour that, like gold on some bastard's head? No, her brother. Yeah. Her brother. <laughs> and I, I still enjoyed it, because John Dragon, it's cool. But just, that was kind of a repeat. And when she walked out of the fire a couple of weeks ago, that was a repeat of the season one finale. Only bigger right. and better, with, with more people and more fire. And I, I think they do a good job with the scene every time, but it is sort of the same scene. And I'm ready for some new scenes. You're ready to see. You're ready to see her lo- loose the other dragons. Is what you're ready to see. You're ready to see her turn some people into fire kebabs. We, we can't loose the other dragons. We don't have riders yet. I want I, a five minute slapstick I, comedy scene and then trying to get dragons on a fucking boat. Yeah, that's <laughs> <how> <laughs> I, <laughs> Only if it has a Betty Hill theme. Exactly. That's what I want. Yeah. Other other Corey. I know you got some opinions on this. Weigh in on here. Well, I mean. Uh... Corey Thone, he kind of brushed around it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote from uh, from Star Wars as well uh, regarding George. Uh, you know, uh, Harrison Ford told George Lucas one time, "George, you can write this shit, but you can't say it." <laughs> and I think you know, I think that's kind of what I felt when I was watching Danny on top of the dragon. It's like you know, she you know everything she's saying is kind of cool, but. Like Corey was saying, she just kind of amps it a little bit too much to where you're just like, okay, there's a little heavy-handed. Like, okay, you're going to make everybody a blood rider. Like, okay, everybody's... You know, you remember that scene in uh, Kingdom of Heaven where what's-his-face mm-hmm. turns everybody into a knight, you know? And it's like, okay, great, now we're... Legolas? Yeah, yeah, Le- oh, Legolas. I don't even remember his name in the movie. Orlando Blue. Yes. And so it just, you know, and, and Dan touched on it as well. It just, it's like, you know... Can we? Are we going to move forward ever with Danny's story? Or are we basically just going to do circles? We're just doing laps, like a NASCAR race. You know, I mean, she's just going, and now she's got someone with Dothraki, and she's going to Marine. Like, stop! If Annie, you've heard this before, Annie, this is the Marinese knot in the show. Is what it is. Well, no, actually, the Marinese knot was getting her out of Marine, not getting her back in. This is the show. <laughs> this is the show's Marinese knot in that they have to delay to bring her over until next year. I mean, that's, I'm afraid you're right. I mean, I'm that's basically right. it. We are at episode right. six, and she is only still a week's ride away from Marine. And I have a feeling that that week's ride won't actually like finish until episode eight. 
Like we Cause we've seen we've seen video of the of the of the Dothraki charging something. Yeah, yeah. we. I, I feel like the I feel like what we're gonna see next week next week is what's going on in Marine and how that new Red Priestess lady is dealing with you know and how she's screwing things up there and Tyrion and Varys and Tyrion are basically at each other's throats over the fact that Tyrion thought this was a good idea. Like that's what I expect to see next week. I don't expect to see Danny actually make it to Marine until I. I don't know at least episode eight nine or ten i mean what if Ken, here's a, here's a, here's an off the thought off the cusp thought mm-hmm. what if kenvara the new red priestess is the one that releases the dragons she takes quentin's role uh, i don't you I know i thought does. i thought Tyrion left the door open i did too but apparently he didn't because they're not flying around and I nobody's know, mentioning them see that's the that, I mean, that's, that's the problem with that scene back there it wasn't exactly clear like exactly. I, I remember we were arguing like i remember you guys were arguing back then like, did he just take off the collars? Did he leave the door open? Did he close the door and just let them kind of roam around free? I don't think he did. But I think they should have closed that loop earlier. I will say, I though, I mean, and, and tell me if you disagree with me, I think Marine has been better this year than it's ever been with Tyrion in there. I think it's more interesting. I've actually looked forward to some of it. Except for me that one weird bit where he was, like, trying to play guessing games with Masande and Grey Worm. That was just awkward. I like that scene. I hate well, it. It's, like because that. Din- it's because Dinklage makes everything better. Yeah, but you know, I like that scene because it really t- it really showed how completely Tyrion just does not fit into this culture in the slightest, and that he basically has no idea what he's doing. I think it showed that they wanted to do some comedy, and they failed really badly. But you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I still think they need to give him some Rosetta Stone for Valyria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fact of the matter is, is that there are some people now who I've started to see online who are saying that Danny is actually not the the heroine of the piece. That she is too warlike. That she is too angry. That she is basically like uh, that, that 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 she's basically become a tyrant. And that they actually don't want her to win now. That's the thing right. that struck me this season is that, you know, I, we, we think that these scenes are cool. Okay. Yes. It, it, this was a repeat scene, but good God, did you see that dragon? Seriously, did you see that dragon? Um, you know how much money they spent on that dragon. So um, much money. That was amazing. So, that was amazing. so good. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that, by having these scenes repeat over and over and over again, there is a segment of especially show-only people who I've started to see on Twitter and on comments and Reddit saying that Danny is a tyrant and is John going to take her down? That would be cool. Everybody's everybody's worried she's becoming the Mad Queen. Yeah, that like kind of thing. Uh, not quite. They're they're not quite using that language, but it's definitely uh, there's a definite negative response I'm seeing to this right. that we didn't have before. Well, she's got to get across the narrow sea before anything cool can happen, and, and apparently <laughs> and she's never going to do. Will never happen. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we saw the trailer for next week, and um, the Greyjoy fleet comes to Volantis, so they're closer, but they're not in Slaver's Bay, so they're not at Marine. No, but, and and Corey's right. Like, it, it's not the Greyjoy fleet, it's like the 18-odd longship she stole. And it's so <laughs> bizarre, because I was, I was expecting them to set this up, that they would sail the whole Iron Fleet, like they do in the mm-hmm. books, to Marine. And then they cut it off in the knees, and like, no, we gotta build the Iron Fleet. But God, hold on. How long that'll take. Hold on. Here's what here's what we don't know. In the books, 
Victorian picks up ships on his way. He picks up some cogs, yeah, some huge slaver cogs. Do it with. I'm not saying they might not do it, but it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to sell. I think. I know, I know, but what? who knows? It's it's gonna be one of those things where I hope we don't have to. I I, I fear Annie's right. I fear Corey is right. I fear that she's not coming over until season seven. Okay. Oh, but she's not. She's not no way she does. No way. Yeah. I would just like to see something like an episode 10 where she's boarding a ship. She's, that would yeah. just make That like, could happen. That, that walk, is as, that is as close plan. as we're going to get. I, I figure the last time we see Danny is sailing on a ship towards Westeros. Okay. I can if, deal with that. If they're I don't, really I don't nice, they can like do a time cut and have the last image be her like stepping off onto Westeros' shore and being like, well, I'm here. That'd be neat. But, yeah. Oh, look, I've arrived in Dorne. I've arrived in Dorne. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, oh, Corey, we should warn you. She's pre- if she takes the direct route across from Marine to Westeros, it'll be Dorne. Yeah, the shortest the shortest route is Dorne. Hey, and then and then Lady Lady Olenna will be there, and it'll be all girl power. No, and it'll, it'll be the Sand Snakes and Danny, and then they'll get off the boat, and then the Sand Snakes will... Like welcome, yeah, yeah, they'll kill Danny and be like, "We're gonna take these dragons for ourselves." And the dragons will, will then kill the sand snakes, and then the Thraki are just like stuck in boats, like off, and they're trying to row over. <laughs> I can hear it now. I can hear it now. She walks up to Dario and she's like, "You need the good queen, but you want the bad pussy." Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. What I'm looking forward to is in like five years when the show is done, and someone finally asks the producers, "Just what happened with Dorn?" And they're finally able to be honest about it and say, yeah, we fucked that up bad. You know what their answer's going to be? Shrug emoji. <laughs> <laughs> you still watched it. You still watched it. <laughs> still watch it. But let's, uh, before, before, that was the final storyline was Danny, but before we wrap things up, I, let's, let's circle back around to a couple of things. Uh, one I want to talk about is Benjen saying, well, first of all, uh, Bran saying that the Three-Eyed Raven is dead, or was Mira saying it, and then Benjamin said, uh, well, he's alive. Now he's alive, or something like that. So now we know that Bran is a new Three-Eyed Raven. So um, that's 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 a big reveal, because he had to become him, right? He had to train – he was being trained to become the Three-Eyed Raven, but Benjamin just comes out and says it. There is the Three-Eyed Raven. So – now we have Bran. He's been he, like he basically. Here's what I like in that that whole uh, fast forward, flash flash forward, and flashback episode that Bran had in the beginning. It was like a computer being downloaded with something. He, his brain just got downloaded with everything that's ever happened in Westeros, and so now he's a new Three Eyed Raven. The only problem is, does he have to be jacked into a uh, weirwood tree, or can he just do it from anywhere? They don't have. They don't have uh, Wi-Fi. The- I, think, don't have I think they were clear. I mean, because he was still warging as yeah. she was pulling him away, and there wasn't oh, a good tree. Point. So I think good they're point. pretty clear that he can do that at will now. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, so Corey, you wanted to circle back around before we ended this thing to the Mad King. So uh, let's take that away. Well, uh, other Corey. Well, so I, I looked up while we were while we were chatting. You know, the theory that that uh, the Three Eyed Raven knew the Mad King. Um, and obviously this is book timeline, so they could condense it. But in the in the books, um, Blood Raven gets or the Three Eyed Raven gets sent to the Wall uh, eleven years before Ares is even born. So 
I would assume that pokes holes in that, you know, they hung out together, they knew each other, whatever type thing, because he wasn't, he was, I mean, a decade before the Mad King was even born, Bloodraven was sent to the wall. So, um, you know, I'm assuming that that would poke that hole in it and would kind of lean more towards Bran being the one that drives the Mad King mad. That's, I like that idea. And now that Bran knows he can uh, warg into the past and the future and make huge loops, maybe you're right. Maybe that is Bran just screwing with things and, uh, you know, unintentionally messing things up. Like, wouldn't it be kind of a, a tragic, poetic, just I don't, I don't want to call it justice, but tragically poetic if because Bran warged the, the Mad King and said burn them all, trying to get rid of the Whites... That's the reason his father and his brother were killed, because the Mad King burned. The Mad King burned the uh, the father of the Starks, uh, Lord Rickard, so his grandfather, and then uh, Brandon, his uncle, choked himself trying to get to his father to save him. So, and I mean, also, you know, you could easily fit it in with, um, you know, Brand's still getting used to his power, so maybe he thinks, oh, I did this in the past. Why don't I have the Mad King do this? You know. And then, obviously, screws his brain up somehow. So, anyways, yeah, I'm 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 really I'm really concerned about the whole idea that you know, Bran will be waiting for the Night King when when the time comes because you know I've always sort of pictured this as being like you know Danny on Dragonback and John with sword and and suddenly maybe now it's not actually totally a battle battle but there's like a whole mental component that's also going to be going on at the same time is that what we're is that what we're being given to understand here that there's going to be basically two battles at the same time one where Danny and John are joined together fighting the whites and fighting for man and one where there's a fight of the mind with Bran basically also having to fight the Night's King and Danny and John will think they're the ones who won and it's really Bran who did it. And that would be, see, that's the thing is we just don't know how far Bran's powers reach right yeah, now. Yeah. Cause I, I, I always assume that his powers are mainly kind of limited to information, you know? Yeah. I always sort would... of thought that he was, he was jacked into the weird tree and he basically got to see the, the, the past, like kind of like television. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, but and he's a he's a new three eyed raven. He can do whatever he wants. I do him, what I we've want. We've seen him, even though it's it's all the ink is dry. We've seen him change history with Hodor, and when he yelled "Father" and Ned, yeah. Ned turned. Right. So like mm-hmm. we see, so we know that like that. This is what I said last week. Time paradox shit, and they they really are dancing close to the fire here of getting mm-hmm. too crazy. But like he does have the ability if he cares enough. Because uh, the emotion he felt when he saw his dad again, and then with Hodor and like the, all the zombie crap happening around him, like if he is passionate enough, he can make himself known in the past, maybe in the future. Who knows? So it's like that. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, ugh, ugh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> well, the, the the preview for next week shows uh, Jamie riding in, into River Run. We see him confront the Blackfish, which is. Absolutely one of my favorite moments in the books, the confrontation between Jamie and the Blackfish. Um, so I can't wait to see that happen. We also, the phrase are back in play. Ugh. I feel like I have to take a shower every time I say the word no phrase. Way. Well, that's that's, that's, that's awesome. actually the same yeah, that that we didn't discuss yet. 
we didn't discuss the phrase. Um, we brought Edmir Tully back. Um, we know. Oh, and you're right. We didn't even mention the fact mm-hmm. that uh, Black Walder mentioned that the Brotherhood without banners. Yeah, I got excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because he said the Brotherhood without banners is causing their armies all kinds of trouble. Uh, anybody want to chime in on that? Are we talking? Are we? Are we talking, Lady Stoneheart hype? I don't care about the Stoneheart, but I will say that I love seeing David Bradley back. I thought he tore that scene up. I just loved him ranting and railing and being all crotchety and old and mean. It was great. I'm, I'm glad he's back. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. They're I loved all the laughing at me. That was so great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so great. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that Edmir, like, showing up, I just he kind of had this look on his face like, yeah, yeah, you can kill me, whatever. I've got another fantasy hit show on the other channel. i got to get back to. Hurry it up. <laughs> Like I can't. I, I can't see. I can't see Edmure Tully without seeing Blackjack Randall, and it makes me sick to my stomach. I know, isn't it great? So, as a show watcher, after like it, it became obvious in the show that uh, Lady Stoneheart wasn't going to happen uh, because they just completely flew by it. Like, I have friends of mine. I think even Razor was one of them who like kind of vented. Like they because leaving Stoneheart out meant that a she didn't play a big role in the books when it's all said and done. So like that makes a really cool character, uh, you know, null and void in the books, but B like just getting to see her come back in that way was like a big deal. And, uh, and it was really cool. And so I was like, when they told me that, I was like, Oh man, I would have loved to have seen that. It's like when they mentioned the brotherhood without banners and, and like the phrase are mad because their men keep getting killed. I, I, I was, uh, do, are we going to get to see that? Cause that would be super cool. And, would and it totally means that, the, yeah, and it totally means they're still in play. Like we've all thought that they had uh, the rumors that were being spread around Reddit were that the, the Brotherhood without banners had been disbanded, that uh, Thoros of Amir, the Red Priest, had pretty much gone off on his own and was leading a splinter group, and blah blah blah, and they were they'd become outlaws and bandits. But um, if they're still in play. You know, there's always, and I'll never, I've, I've always said this, until the very last minute of the very last season, until the credits roll in the very last episode of the very last season, I will always believe in Stoneheart. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, I, I will more than likely, 99.9% be disappointed. But they could, they still have a chance to bring her in. They, we've, we've had our flashbacks now. Game of Thrones is not scared to show flashbacks. And Brienne is on her way down to the Riverlands. Jamie is on his way to the Riverlands. Everybody's in place. Yeah, everybody's in the same place in the books I mean, where they where they in. At this point, I'm so tired of her at Stoneheart. I do hope they put her in an after the credit sequence, the very last episode, <laughs> flipping off the camera, and then cut to black forever. I do think that it was smart. If that's how they end up, not like what Dan said, but if if they do, because that would be funny. I wouldn't laugh at that. But if they, if she does show up, it totally makes sense that they wouldn't have had her earlier in the show because that would have given away too much foreshadowing to book to just show watchers with John. Like there was already enough that everybody like yeah. if you were smart you should know. But you'd be surprised how many my friends were like, "How can that happen?" It's like, well, remember. The guy that – like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. And it's like, yeah, idiot. <laughs> no, I, I, think they, I, I do think they wanted to minimize the amount of people that came back to life before John. 
Yes. Yeah, because I feel like now they're bringing them all back. You know, yeah. one of the things about Brienne and go next week's episode is called The Broken Man, and Brienne and Pod are traveling down to the Riverlands, and they may be stopping by another place with a broken man where another character has been brought back to life. Right, and that's the thing, and I think in season three when they could have, when they should have put Stoneheart in play after the Red Wedding when, at the end of that season. There really wasn't, I mean, Game of Thrones has always been a fantasy, but there wasn't a ton of magic in the show at the time. There were dragons, there was Beric Dondarrion come back from the dead, but that was it, really. Yeah, they, they um, hadn't they hadn't put cold hands in play, they had... We had, we had, we had White Walkers, like I forgot. There's too, but yeah, you're right. It's, they, this season, they've really, really ramped up the fantasy stuff. And they've jumped the shark almost. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, because like, now, now people are watching. <laughs> now they have them. Like, they can now spring this crap on them. I'm like, you're not going to leave. You're already into this. I read, I read somewhere where people are actually, you know, Game of Thrones not, not, not canceling or not, not, taking a, not taking a break for Memorial Day is because it's so popular now that people actually plan their Memorial Day vacations around Game of Thrones. Oh, are you kidding? See, the ratings are now. I absolutely did that. Yeah. I called yeah. ahead to the hotel to make sure they had HBO. <laughs> and then, and then when I got there and I found out it was HBO two, I started freaking out. I signed up for HBO now and watched it on my uh, iPad. No, my we, we actually we didn't go to the beach house because there's not um we don't it's only basic cable and there's not and there's not very good Wi-Fi and I just couldn't. I'm sorry. Yeah, my family was sitting on the beach while I watched it. <laughs> that's a that's amazing. I love it. Well, listen, we we have um. We're, we just finished episode six, and now we have seven, eight, nine, and ten. Four episodes left, and my God, it's going so fast. Uh, the next episode is called "The Broken Man" or "Broken Men." Men or man? Man. Man. The Same Broken goal. Man. And uh, I'm hoping we see uh, Al Swearengine come in to play <laughs> Cocksucker. But um, and then we'll see some other favorite characters maybe pop their heads up. We're definitely going to see River Run, and like Dan and I were talking earlier today. I hope we see some kind of a uh, montage where John, Sansa, and Davos just go to different houses in the north and they play some kind of background music. I'm thinking Eye of the Tiger. No, 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 no. They play the montage dun, song from dun, dun, Team dun. America World Police. Duh. See, that's more appropriate for the Arya training thing. I think this should require something a little lighter. <laughs> I don't know what yet. I'll, 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 I'll look into it and write it for you. But we definitely, we definitely saw... House Glover and House Mormont uh, involved with Sansa and John and Davos trying to convince them to join their, their cause. We saw the wildlings being trying to be convinced by Tormund. Um, and we saw, as Annie pointed out, a mysterious uh, – or was that in the flashbacks, Annie? The mysterious ground where people were laying oh, down. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's in the trailer. There, there's a, there's the a trailer. Play, uh, That's in the trailer. And the, the, there's a shot – of very, very green grass and dead bodies lying all over it. And what got me is because it's winter is coming and it's now fall and everywhere we go there's patches of snow and the grass is not green. It's like nasty and matted and dead looking and mud because there's been wars like and it's not growing back. So to see this very, very green carpet with the dead bodies on it, I was like, where is this? I mean, we'd be Sam at- did talk about how damn green the reach is for like three oh. minutes. He sure did. Maybe he's pointing to maybe maybe Tarly comes down to get that sword in a fight and sues and everybody. Oh, dies. that's actually not a terrible idea. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> or it could be a flashback to Robert and um, 
and Rhaegar fighting on the trident. But <gasps> Don't even tease me like that. I know. My heart couldn't take it. All right. So listen, guys. Um, that's going to be it for this show. Uh, for Annie, Corey, Dan, and Corey Smith, I want to say thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Take the Black. With no blood in this holy place, God's for mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink, and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen.